For decades, the X-Men were pioneers in superhero storytelling. From teen drama and representation of all identities, to science fiction and horror, the Marvel mutants seamlessly blended genres into something unique. Now, in the wake of executive missteps, the Dark Phoenix has returned as the franchise limps its way back to its parent company. I'm Austin Hall, and this is Nerdcraft Nation. So welcome to episode two of the Nerdcraft Nation podcast. I'm your host for this episode about Dark Phoenix, Austin Hall. I'm here with Chris Walker. Ahoy! And I'm here with Jose Lopez. Hey there. And as I said from the jump, we're talking about Dark Phoenix. It was the last X-Men movie, 12. Thank God. Oh, wait, actually... (laughs) Yeah. As far as we know, it's the last one. Okay. Yeah. As well, far at least as we... under Fox. Under Fox, yeah. Yeah. Under 20, 20th Century Fox before it was acquired by Disney. It's the 12th uh, movie in all. It had a budget of $200 million, And it did not make a lot back. So domestic, I have $60,542,000. $456. Sheesh! <laughs> Foreign, we have about uh, a little over $172 million. So worldwide, we have $233,393,456. Oh, so that's my... a lot worse than I thought it did. Yeah, yeah, that's barely the budget of the movie, plus however yeah. much it costs to do the reshoots and stuff. By I my would say count, like another hundred mil. Yeah. yeah. By, by my count, that's about thir- they made thirty-three million dollars, roughly, more t- uh, give or take. So that was a, a great showing uh, from the Dark Phoenix movie. And uh, as of this recording, it has a twenty-three uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, a sixty-four audience score. Oddly enough, so I don't think it's. Any spoiler to say that it's not an impressive movie, um, but let's get to it. Who wants to go first uh, with their? their Chris, I'm gonna let you take this one. <laughs> the review of uh, Dark Phoenix. All right. First things first. Fuck Brian Singer. <laughs> Got to get that out of the way at the jump. Um, where where do I um i really love the x-men i have to open with that i really really love the x-men i read x-men comics in order to learn how to read one of my first storylines is about like archangel is about warren like going into some company or something like that i don't remember actually off the top of my head but but effectively like i really hold these characters near and dear to my heart i love the cartoons i love the I love that first uh, movie that they have because it's kind of a snapshot of who was popular at the time and who was rising with the first X-Men movie with, um, what's his name? Scott Marsden or... Yeah, Scott Marsden. Yes. Yes. Yep. And with Hugh Jackman, uh, everybody in that, except for like Patrick Stewart, like everybody wasn't really as popularly known and that's like really the start of their careers and they kind of blew up from there oh and Halle Berry of course yeah Halle Berry was like, like the peak of her career I think at that point yeah she was that's like, real peak Halle Berry yeah after that she did like Monsters Ball where she got an Oscar so she was like at the top of her game back then oh god damn what a time what a time to be alive <laughs> but slowly but surely that like this franchise has had like hiccups we don't talk about x3 um we don't talk about x-men the last stand at all uh i never talk about the wolverine origins movie Mm. um nor does ryan reynolds for obvious reasons yep and then we have what i didn't know that 
you know, Fox could use um, Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movies <laughs> for X-Men stuff. I, I was flabbergasted. And oh, I was really impressed God. by that information <laughs> when they made Apocalypse. So was and everybody then, who saw Apocalypse. Yeah. I, amazing. Amazing. The people they had to pay off. <laughs> the people from Saban that they had to pay off. And then we got Dark Phoenix, which somehow was worse than Apocalypse. Yeah. And I completely flabbergasted. I don't think anybody wanted to be doing this movie. I really think that Jennifer Lawrence did not want anything to do with this. Nope. Yeah. And I think the only person that really cared was Michael Fassbender, but I think Michael Fassbender was like, I gotta go get this check. Maybe that's it. Maybe. But... It was an overall disappointment, and I had a low bar set for myself. I had been making jokes on the internet for about a year about how bad how this about, movie was yeah. going to be. And, whew, Jesus, it was bad. Do you have a, uh, a rating of 0 to 10 at all, or...? Why, why would I rate a movie this bad? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good... All right, that's fair enough. Fair enough. Um. All right, Jose. Let's uh, let's hear your review. Yeah. So I guess I'm, I'll start off kind of like similar to what Chris did. So my first introduction to the X Men were probably like the '90s cartoons back in the day. I even watched those in Venezuela when I was little in Spanish. So just oh. yeah, yeah, they kept that theme song the same. Like da na 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 na. I was hoping they would do a homage to that in this movie, but. I didn't say yeah I didn't it was set in the 90s too so it's like it's the perfect time to do it but yeah or like have it played in the background yeah like see I don't care somebody's ringtone on their phone or whatever well well it was set in the 90s so they wouldn't have phones but whatever so have it included somehow a video game would have been fine but yeah the, oh yeah this movie was terrible like I didn't think after X-Men The Last Stand they could do any works with the Dark Phoenix Saga and then they just try to be like, no, you know what? We can do it even worse. Hold they my believe- beer. Yeah, hold my beer. <laughs> they believed in themselves that they could make it uh, worse. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things that kind of stood out to me. Let me just pull out my notes here. Okay, first of all, the one that I had a big issue with was what Jean did in this movie that got her all there. She like flipped a couple of like police cars over and then she has the whole, the whole government after her. Whereas fucking Magneto like almost tried to kill the president in the last couple movies, was accused of killing Kennedy, uh, almost tried to kill Nixon and his whole staff, and he motherfucker gets a whole private island in this movie. Like, what? How does that make any sense? And he's completely safe, too. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't want. They don't have to worry about anything. Exactly. Anything. Like, Eugene barely does anything, and she gets the whole government sent after her. Magneto gets a private island to just, like, chill out after he's, like, done some horrible, horrible shit. He almost tried to kill, like, destroy the world in the last one with Apocalypse. And he's done just so much bad shit. Like, how does he get a pass? Even from the... What's his lawyer? Like, who does he have bodies buried? Who does he know where the bodies bar- are buried for? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He's got some inside scoop on somebody. Mm-hmm. Maybe the current president's like a, a mutant? Who knows? And I did just, we ever see the face of the current president? I feel like he did. Uh, we did at one point, but it was. I don't know if any. I don't think it was any of like the bushes or anything. So yeah, might have been some like random new one. They made their own president for this one. Yeah, and yeah, the. Uh, just the whole movie just felt weird because they didn't commit to like the com like the more cosmical aspects of it like okay she got like zapped in space with a cosmic force but then we kind of they kind of hinted in apocalypse that she already had the phoenix power inside her so this doesn't make sense either and she was barely even the phoenix in this movie she was like well like full phoenix like full bird mode for like the last five seconds of the movie and like oh okay like what really that's it it was just all over the place yeah and that's actually something i wanted to bring up in the last in apocalypse they go and she turns into the phoenix for like five seconds to defeat apocalypse which kind of just counteracts the entire leap build up to the movie because it happens so easily. Yeah. But in this movie, she doesn't have Phoenix powers to start with. She gains them. 
and then she like turns it on and everything and that's one of my big issues with this movie and with this series of movies is that there's like little plot holes that go and glaze over how much time has gone on oh, yeah. between things the x-men movies are like infamous for having just just saying fuck continuity we're doing whatever we want now okay then <laughs> yeah i i felt like continuity probably would have helped them like maybe not do a big time jump in this one yeah that goes or to, at least change the actors yeah um, yeah that goes to like my other criticism like it's been almost like 30 years since first class how does no one age like okay mystique they kind of wrote it off like okay her shape-shifting kind of like does it off but like hank still looks like freshly has a baby face going on it's been 30 years since last day um, since first class how has he not aged xavier and magneto they are they were alive before the holocaust happened how do they still look that young it doesn't make any goddamn sense I, I don't want to say cocoa butter and gold for these guys, because that's just not fair. There's, like, a 10-year gap that comes up when you get to, like, the first X-Men movie from where they're supposed to be yeah. at. And it doesn't... It's just very weird. How does Michael Fassbender become Ian McKellen in, like, 10 years? Yeah. Does he just do a lot of coke? <laughs> I guess that's the in-movie explanation, because I don't see how else it can... It's possible. Like, okay, they can get away with it in Days of Future Past when it's only been, like, 10 years. But now we're going, like, 30 years after First Class. Like, no. you, you nobody, Nobody's age. Nobody's age. Like, come on, guys. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, at least put some wrinkles on them. Like, shit, little gray hairs. Apparently, I, I saw an interview that Michael Fassbender said that he almost got the white hair in Apocalypse when, like, Apocalypse gives him his, like, full strength, kind of like what Storm happened, but they decided to be like, nah, we're just not. That would have been so smart and worth it. Yeah, that would have at least made sense. Like, it's the little effort in the small things that helps you out in the long run. Yeah, but no. Nope. Like, people pay attention to details. Nerds are nerds for a reason. Yeah, and when a character hasn't aged in 30 years, you're like, what the fuck is going on, you guys? Is is Mystique handing out that that mutant cocoa butter? Like, what's going on? Is Mystique just injecting everybody with their blood? Then why isn't everybody blue? Yeah. What's going on here? Yeah. It, it happened for Hank. Why, why aren't you guys blue? Yeah, come on. Jose, do you have a, a 0 out of 10 score? Or Ooh, not to... That's tough on this one. I'm going to leave it at least a 2, because there were okay. very minor parts that I liked about it. Like, I, I like the little cameo from Dazzler just showing up there. And at least the train sequence was cool. But beyond that, yeah, there's nothing else I can give this movie. I'm going to so, amend my score and actually give it a 1.5 because 1. I forgot 5. about the Dazzler scene. The Dazzler scene is my favorite scene of the entire movie. I clapped a little bit during that. I was like, man, that's that's hard work. <laughs> I respect to, that. Yeah, they managed to sneak that in there. Mm. Mm. Bellissimo. I think the one, so I, the one thing we were like, me and Chris, we were laughing at is like that damn bottle. The bottle shattering thing. I still cannot get over it. Oh my god. Did they get the editor from Bohemian Rhapsody? That's a good question. I kind of want to look that up. Because I know yeah. like the guy who from Bohemian Rhapsody, he's like the main guy that Brian Singer works with, but I don't know if he worked with Simon Kimberg in this one. Oh. Oh, I didn't know that part, actually. Yeah, John Ottman. He also worked on, like, Superman Returns and stuff. I did know that. Let me see. And he's he also, he's, like, the Rhapsody. composer and editor for those movies. Oh, damn. That's... Pulling double duty. Get your money, man. Get your money. Now, let's see. Film editing? No, some other dude did editing. Lee Smith. Who, what the fuck? He worked with Christopher Nolan and a bunch of stuff like The Dark Knight, Dunkirk, Inception, Interstellar. Wow, he dropped the wall on this one. Wow, sir. Um, we're we're gonna need to take you out back. Why? Did you really edit this movie? Yeah, like damn. Did somebody? Are you sure? Some like was a studio interference editing? Wow. Was this the one you left for the intern from USC? Must have been, cause damn. Must have been. 
Yeah, the fact like I just remember me and Chris laughing so hard at that scene. Like the bottle, Hank throws a bottle across the table and it shatters before it even hits the floor. Like the physics of it don't work, and the fact that it's so over the top and dramatic. It's like no, Charles, how dare you? Oh my god, it was just so oh. uh, ridiculously funny. I was on the brink of tears, honestly, <laughs> at that point. Oh my god. This following wait i'm sorry spoiler alert this was following mystique dying at one point and they had a little funeral that was just very very small and it was five people it was sad and then they threw that at us and i was like whoo you guys missed it yep they just said jennifer lawrence like one of the biggest stars of this franchise and nope you dead and moving on she really just wanted out of this movie <laughs> Yeah, but the only reason she came back was because everybody else was coming back. Yeah, I think they like peer pressured her into coming back. It's like, come on, you guys. But they're just like, all right, I'll do it one. But she pulled like a Harrison Ford deal. Like, all right, I'm coming back, but you have to kill me off. All right, I guess if we kill you off, we'll kill this entire franchise off then. (laughs) (laughs) Did they know that the Fox Disney deal was going down when they... We're making this movie? I think it happened in between them okay. shooting it. Yeah, it happened in between the original shoot and the start and like the reshoots. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's why they wrapped up a few things the way they did. Because they were like, eh, well, you're going to get rebooted in the MCU. So just wrap it up, guys. Wrap it up. No yeah, post-credits. No nothing. Just wrap this shit up. Mm-hmm. Just run it. Just run it. Was there anything in this movie that you guys felt worked at all? I really (sighs) gotta think about this one. I thought Michael Fassbender was actually pretty good in this. Um, His accent breaks every now and again. Yeah. But, like, not a lot. But I thought he played that with, like, the right amount of, like, I don't want to say angst, but, like, the right amount of energy and the right amount of, uh... He pl- he's always played the Magneto character as someone who's got, like, a very torn spirit, who's, like, survived the Holocaust, who's, mm-hmm. like, just really angry at the world. And he hasn't played him as a genocidal maniac. He's played him as someone who wants to set up, like, land and set up, like, an establishment for his people. Which I think is really, really a big thing. Because in some of the comic books... Really recently, he's been played as a genocidal maniac, that character, Magneto as a character, and which feels very false in tone. And so his characterization, characterization, his acting feels on point and correct for this character. Um, the Dazzler scene was really good, and I think that that's another thing. The visuals were fantastic. Like, visual effects-wise, except for Glass Bottle, which I'm going to get to that <laughs> sooner. I'm going to circle back to that later. Um, I thought the visuals were great. Honestly, I thought the switch, having Nicholas Holt switch back and forth between being beast and looking more human, while very just weird, because beast is constantly a beast yeah. at different points. He's not Hulk. He's a beast. yeah. It looked cool. It looked cool. I have to say, I couldn't argue with that that much. And uh. The visual effects just from the telekinesis. The visual effects for explaining... What is her name? Um, The villain. I can never remember. Jessica Chastain's character. Yeah, not Lalandra. The the stand-in for Lalandra, basically. Yeah, oh god, I'm going to get to that too. (laughs) Um, The visual effects for her little dream sequence explaining what she wants why she wants the phoenix's power to take it over and everything like that that looked amazing i think they got the visuals perfectly i think the script is problematic as fuck yeah yeah that's why like if you trusted this guy with his last stand you shouldn't trust him with dark phoenix come on yeah come on fox i think that this movie series has never had an issue with visuals whatsoever like in days of future past the like quicksilver speeding scene to like get magneto out of jail was amazing Mm -hmm. and the fact that they had like smaller scenes similar to that throughout the next two movies that he's in in apocalypse and in this one dark phoenix were pretty good 
the space one that opens the movie is really good with like uh nightcrawler just like oh yeah and the teleporting in and out yeah 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 just i really like popping that in one. and out it was great but yeah i think visually it was good yeah i think the only like x-men movie that's had an issue with visuals is probably like x-men origins because mm. i know like there was like the famous video of like uh wolverine's claws looking fake as fuck it looked more realistic in a video game the like the unfinished version leaked online so they kind of like rushed all the visual effects to get it out earlier so jesus yeah i didn't know that part actually yeah yeah i know it leaked online but it yeah it seemed like the effects on that one were pretty unfinished but other than that i think yeah all the other movies have had their effects pretty on point I thought one of the things I was impressed with was, um, I believe it was said before, but the the uh, definition on Beast when he was actually in his Beast mode, so to speak, uh, the fact that they were able to get actual facial expressions, I thought was pretty pretty amazing. But one thing, I mean, I this is the second. Uh, X-Men movie I've seen outside of Logan so I am completely a new newbie when it comes to these things I didn't really see and maybe this might be um, something you guys can talk more about but it, it looked like their powers weren't utilized as much as they could have been oh yeah for sure yeah yeah that's uh I don't have any real explanation for that other than I feel like there was a lot of mind games being played and a lot of telepathy back and forth. So you can, that's like their powers being used back and forth, but like everybody else who has more physical like manifestations of their powers, I thought that they were underutilized a lot. Like the other two henchmen that Magneto had, I don't even know what those, who those mutants were, what their powers were exactly. Yeah. They were just like two nameless goons. So, didn't really care what happened to them. Did I? I didn't know what powers were. I don't know what characters were supposed to be to begin with because they didn't have a very distinctive look. So they were just like meh. Uh, Quicksilver just got like forgotten halfway through the first act of the movie. Just like he gets injured and then they just get tossed aside for the rest of the movie. I was actually really disappointed with that choice. Yeah, same. The like all the other X Men, like the last two, had had a good Quicksilver scene. This one's like, oh nope, nothing. You get like a busted kneecap, and you're out for the rest of the movie. Did he just have some other movies to do? Because I that's a good question. Don't really see Evan Peters in that many things. So yeah, I don't know if he's just filming another season of American Horror Story. If he has something else going on, or. Because he's been able to do th- these movies in American Horror Stories before, so I yeah. don't know if something else came up or what the deal was, but yeah, it just felt weird. And you like, mean, did he think Emma Roberts was going to be in the room <laughs> and he didn't want to be there? Like, I wouldn't want to take that out. Yeah, maybe they thought she, maybe she was almost Dazzler. It's like, oh nope, I'm out, I'm out, guys. I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. Um, yeah, but yeah, like Austin said, like a lot of people's powers were underutilized, especially I think Storm. They had this woman making ice cubes. Like, really? Come on, guys. She can do more than just make electric shocks and ice cubes, guys. She's a god out in Africa, so. Yeah. And it seemed like good. they kind of like shoehorned into the movie. Like, at one point, she's like, oh, I'm coming with you guys. And Charles is like, nah, you can sit this one out. But Cyclops is like, nah, nah, nah. Cyclops is like, yeah, yeah just just come, just come. You, we'll still need you. Yeah, we need you here. We need to up, uh, this is going to sound fucked up, we need to up the diversity numbers on this one. Come yep. on. Yep. That's, that's what it felt like. Yeah, that's probably why. And good thing they brought her, because she at least helped out in the fight. Cause, and some scenes that would have been fucked without her. Yeah, that's true. So, you were going to say something, Chris? I'm going to say something about Alexandra Ship, but I'm going to leave that for later. Okay. My next question is, what do you think would have worked? I mean, this is the last movie uh, from 20th Century Fox with X-Men. What do you think would have been... Uh, a good conclusion to this 
film franchise. Probably if they had been more faithful to the Dark Phoenix comic. Like, all right, you fucked up one time, at least do it right this time. They, this movie should have been at least two and a half hours long, like, fully flesh out the full Dark Phoenix saga. I mean, I guess cut where you need to. They could have introduced, like, whole the Shire Empire earlier on instead of these random-ass aliens. Um, and kind of done something a little bit with that. Uh, I mean, it's hard to do really with this movie because, like, the Jean Grey character hasn't really, like, Sophie Turner's version has only appeared in one other movie. They could have done something really special with it in X3 if they hadn't fucked that up, too. Like, I remember hearing Brian Singer's original plans for X-Men 3, and those that sounded epic. It sounded like a three-way battle between, like, the X-Men, the Brotherhood, and the Hellfire Club all fighting for control of Jean. Jean would have been, like, full Phoenix mode, like, flames and everything. And that would have been great to see. Like, I think they might have cut out the Shire Empire for that, but, like, all right, I, I guess I'll take it if they make it more down-to-earth, but at least they include the Hellfire Club, Mastermind, and those kind of people. And, yeah, in this movie, it just had, I don't know. Like, I feel like the odds were kind of stacked against them, especially with the whole Disney deal. Like, if if they had enough time to fully flesh out, like, the whole mythology behind the Shire Empire, Jean's powers, um, and at least some better costumes, I'd, I'll say that much, then they could have maybe salvaged this. And put the goddamn anime intro in, like, the music from the animated series in here. Mm-hmm. Big facts. How about you, Chris? I had to really think about this. Um, one thing that they definitely could have done was just make the movie more fun. Like, the animated series intro would have made it more fun. Just, like, little things like that. But mm-hmm. the two two and a half hours would have been perfect timing, actually, also. Just more story. Um more faithful to the storyline from the comics. I'm trying to figure out how I want to go about saying what I'm thinking right now. And what I'm thinking right now is that they are... My issue with the first class series is that it's constantly shifting from one story to the next, to the next, to the next. And it doesn't make any direct callbacks to the previous movies. This one kind of does, but it's also trying to tell its own storyline and plot yeah and then we don't also know what happens in between the movies so one big thing that i felt was very that made this movie feel very rushed and very chaotic is the fact that we don't know what's happening with the x-men between apocalypse and dark phoenix we don't know what missions they've been on we don't know who their villains have been recently We don't have any idea and it's not because we need like a little book in between or something like that or like a tv series in between it's because they don't make any callbacks to anything they don't tell us what's been going on with people i want to know what happened to uh to colossus where's colossus this entire time does he just not ride with them anymore is he not cool with them what did they do with uh I guess Apocalypse's body. In this timeline, has Colossus showed up yet? Because I think isn't he part of like the younger ones with Iceman and Rogue in the later movies? Yes. Oh, damn. Wait. I'm sorry. What happened to Jubilee? Oh, yep. That's a good one. Yep. Jubilee. Yes. I know that Lana Condor just... I don't think she was... I think that she had, like, scheduling conflicts, so she couldn't do this movie. Yeah. And honestly, like, after To All the Boys I've Ever Loved, like, she can do whatever the fuck she wants. Yeah, she blew up after that movie. Yeah. And now that I think about it, Jubilee didn't even use... Did she even use her powers in Apocalypse? I think she has, like, five lines in that entire movie. (laughs) And that might be overshooting it. She was there for the promo. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. She effectively speaks less than Alexandra Shipp and... I probably would have appreciated her speaking more because I really hate Alexandra Shipp's African accent. Oh, okay. That's another thing I wanted to get into, the accents in this movie. So a lot of people were, like, slipping when it came to their accents. Like, Sophie Turner, you can tell, was, like, holding back her, like, English accents. Like, oh, nope, gotta gotta sound more American now. Uh, I noticed a couple times when uh, Professor X's accent kind of slipped to Scottish. This is James McAvoy. 
And also, one thing I don't understand, like, okay, James, like, Professor Xavier, I, well, let's assume that he was born in, in Britain at this point, <clears throat> but he immigrated to the U.S. since before the 1940s. In this much time, you're telling me his accent hasn't gone, gone more American? I got nothing for that one, man. That's confusing to me still to this day. Yeah, like even in the animated series, it it like the voice actor who did Professor Xavier, it sounded like he hit the 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 right spot of like sounding almost British but not quite. Like a faded accent because he's a someone. He's an immigrant who's been here a long time. Exactly, and that's how I kind of would have thought like. That seems natural for Professor Xavier for his accent to kind of like fade away over time. Like this I noticed, one of those times where I wish I had a clip of first class just to like listen to how James McAvoy is speaking in the beginning of that movie. Well, he still stays very, very British throughout. Yeah, but it doesn't like fade away over time like in in normal circumstances it would. Like I remember uh, the actress who's gonna show up in New Moons. He was uh, she was in Glass and uh, Split. Um, Anna Taylor. Or something? She's the only one. Yeah, yeah. Anna Taylor Joy. Yeah, that one. That one. So she was in a similar situation where like she was born in America, raised in England, and then came back to the U.S. for. Uh, acting so her accident like when she did her first movie the witch it was kind of british and now as you see her more recent interviews it sort of started to fade away and become more american so that would have made sense for the charles xavier character to do as well i mean my mom doesn't even have a thick trinidadian accent it only comes out when she yells at you Yeah, see, accents fade over time. Like, it's, exactly. it's happened to me since I immigrated here. Uh, my parents, too. So, like, my whole family. Yeah, you can kind of see this, like, trend of, like, hey, accents slowly starting to, like, fade away to become more Americanized, if you will. Yeah, it's not like we're kids on study abroad in Barcelona. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Okay, and the thing with Alexander Ship's accent that I kind of wanted to get into, I know Chrissy had some thoughts on that as well have a lot of thoughts okay so i was kind of looking at like some uh i think it was like an interview that brian singer did from behind the scenes from x-men apocalypse with alexander ship so apparently she was going for a more arabic accent because i guess in the movies she they she's not from kenya at all she's just straight up egyptian so i guess that makes sense if she's from egypt she would speak arabic as opposed to swahili but I guess they cut out her whole Kenyan heritage from the movies to make it less complicated. Because I think in the comics, right, she was from Kenya, then she immigrated to Egypt, and then she eventually came to the U.S. with the X-Men. Yeah, and, like, that's not that complicated. Like, migration throughout Africa is pretty common. Migration throughout South America is really common. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if she was just like, oh, I'm going to move to Egypt because there's a job there. Yeah, but I guess in the movies they just took the easy way out and they just made her straight up Egyptian so I guess that's kind of why I mean, I don't know if she still nailed down an Arabic accent or not. I'll have to ask Sabrina whether she did a good job on that or not. Um, Listen to AP Marvel if you want to hear Sabrina Clark's opinion on Alexandra Shipp's accent, which she calls trash. Yeah, I heard it, but I don't know if it was trash because she she thought she was supposed to be doing a Swahili accent because that's what they speak in Kenya. Or if it's just a trash accent that doesn't even sound remotely Arabic at all, either. Uh, we definitely should ask her. Mm-hmm. I, I now that I have that information, like it make doesn't really change it for me. Like I felt, well, one this makes me angry about who like decided on the characterizations going forward because I felt like they were just very one note. Like that's depth. That's depth to the character to know to like keeping that depth there gives the character more characterization it grounds the character in much more like a blending it gives them a reason for like what they're doing and how they're doing things like they moved from kenya to egypt for this reason and then they move from egypt to the u.s to become an x-men for this reason and it goes it goes from there and you get that and like i didn't like i have a lot of issues with alexandra ship playing storm um the fact that it's 
and I have issues with Halle Berry playing Storm, the fact that it's two more lighter-skinned women playing this very African character when mm-hmm. you could go and you could really break someone's career, break a dark-skinned woman, break an African actress's career by playing this character. That's really cool. That's yeah. like a really big thing, and representation really does matter, especially in this day and age where people are becoming really aware of what colorism is. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think that it's a missed opportunity not to have hired someone. And also, I think that the internet has seen a lot of Alexandra Ship's comments on colorism and how she feels about that and how she has in the past has shown an inability to understand that she does have a certain amount of privilege by not being as dark-skinned as other actresses. So... Yeah. But I also think that she's a really good actress. I think that, I think that this movie script failed a lot of people. Yeah, because their characters don't feel fleshed out. I. Uh... Yeah, and that's I yeah. think that's one of the main flaws of like the franchise as a whole. Like, a lot of characters get their time to shine. Like Wolverine has a lot of time to explore his origins. Uh, Xavier, Magneto, Mystique—they all get like a good moment to shine. But like Cyclops gets a little bit sidelined a little bit. Storm, we bear know next to nothing about. Uh, Nightcrawler, all we know is that he's German, and that's about it. And he's oh, and he's Catholic. And oh, and he goes on berserker rages. And yeah, apparently in this movie he just goes on berserker rages, or when he's being mind controlled. Uh, yeah. yeah, but like all the other characters, Jubilee. Nobody gives two fucks about her. Apparently, um, all the basically all the other side characters just get no time to shine, which I hope changes once I they get over to the MCU. In twenty thirty. Yep. <laughs> twenty thirty. Yeah, and yeah, like you That's said, Chris, I hope they embrace Storm's Kenyan roots and don't just take the easy way out by just making her oh she's gonna be Egyptian, uh, make her lights uh, like a lighter shade. Uh, of black as opposed to being embracing her full like identity yeah i i keep forgetting what the actor's name who plays cyclops is and that's probably embellic of the fact that cyclops doesn't really matter nope like this character who rises to become the real leader of the x-men for a while and he like does some real messed up stuff in the comic books for a while there but he still is maybe top five one of the most important characters for that series uh they really do nothing here they just have him as like the sad puppy dog who just wants gene back i just want gene back yeah well at least he didn't get the shaft like james morrison did in x-men 3 yeah that's true that's true at least he doesn't get killed yeah and killed off screen true that so do you guys have a favorite uh, X-Men movie from 20th oh. Century Fox? Well, I made a list of like my rankings of the X-Men movies. Oh, go ahead then. So. Yeah, we're all ears. Okay, so go I kind of... can go off. Let's see, I kind of tied the bottom with Dark Phoenix and X-Men Origins Wolverine. So those two, I couldn't decide which one was worse, so I just put them both as like two top two bottom. And then I have X-Men The Last Stand just slightly above X-Men Apocalypse because I like the casting choice of, J- of uh, Oscar Isaac but I hate what they did with his character so that's like an ugh and, well, and at least the Quicksilver scene was cool but other than that yeah that, that X-Men Apocalypse was another missed opportunity then I was like thinking okay do I put the Wolverine or the first X-Men movie next because I really loved the two the first two-thirds of the Wolverine where it started out like as a good dramatic character piece of Wolverine his time in Japan and then the third act kind of got a little wonky with the whole CGI battle with the Silver Samurai and from what I learned James Mangold didn't want that the studio kind of forced him to do that because they wanted a more like superheroish ending in their minds which included like a big CGI battle and he wasn't on board with it but he had to like be like fine whatever but the extended cut was much I better. have a suggestion for this. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want, you can say the first two-thirds of the movie is one completely different movie, and the last third is another movie unto itself. Okay, so I'm going to go with the last third of The Wolverine next, and then X-Men 1, 
Because it was like that movie was fine overall. It kicked off. It was like the grandfather of like the comic book genre movies as we know it in modern age. It kind of kicked off that first wave. I remember watching and loving that movie. Looking back at it, there's some stuff that's not too great about it. Uh, like Holly Berry's line about like what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning. Same thing that happens to everything else. Like really? <laughs> that's what you went with? Come on, guys. Yeah, the CGI in that movie. Well, looking at it now, some of it's a little dated, but most of it holds up. Uh, and yeah, the plot was pretty straight. Well, well, no, it had an interesting twist because the whole time you thought Magneto was after Wolverine, but then he's actually really after Rogue. So, okay, I'll say that's a fine movie overall. It's like right a sweet spot in the middle. And yeah, yeah and yeah, I really love the first two acts of The Wolverine when it showed him as like a character trying to process Gene's death after the last stand and trying to move forward from there, finding his new purpose. Then I put X-Men 2, especially uh, that's one of, I think, my favorite of the original trilogy. Uh, the opening scene with Nightcrawler, so one of my favorite scenes of the whole franchise. Really love that. Um, them teaming up with Magneto and then him, them screw, him screwing them over at the end was like classic Magneto. He's like the Loki of this franchise. Like, why do you guys keep trusting him? No, don't trust Magneto. He's going to fuck you over every time. But he has what I want. <laughs> then I put first class because that had a good sense of like, that felt like a good X-Men movie where everybody got a chance to like shine with their powers. We get to see the Hellfire Club, which is like, oh, okay, finally a different bad guy other than Magneto. All right. We're moving forward, guys. And it kind of showed like the origins of the X-Men and kind of explained how they came together. So I like that one. And everybody got a Kevin Bacon number. Yeah. Everybody got one degree of Kevin Bacon from that movie. And then Days of Future Past, I put like as my number two choice because that's the one that merged the original cast with the new with the new people. Had a great storyline overall. I prefer the Rogue cut over the original cut. Because that had some added scenes with like Rogue. They had uh, Magneto and Charles going on a separate mission to save her. It explains how the Sentinels actually found them towards the end of the movie. So it ties up a lot of loose ends. And more importantly, it erases X-Men 3 from continuity. And that's always great. Having all the cameos. I finally watched that mm. the other night, actually. And I really... The movie makes more sense. Yeah. Like, it's a really good movie to start with. But it made way more sense to me after I watched that. Yeah, absolutely. And then the top one is the obvious choice, Logan, number one. That, like that movie just had that was what James Mangold wanted to do with Wolverine, but couldn't do in that third act. So they just let him. All right, after Deadpool came out and that was radar, he's like, "Look, guys, I can do this." And they were like, "All right, go nuts with it, dude." And he nailed it. James, uh, Hugh Jackman gave the base, best performance of his career. Like everybody just brought it. Uh, Patrick Stewart is Charles Xavier. Like, they just went all out on this one and it, they went out with a bang. So, yeah, that's my ranking of the X Men movies. Chris, do you have either a ranking or maybe a favorite movie? I definitely don't favorite? have a ranking because. I I just I just genuinely don't. I think we all know what I think is trash at this point. <laughs> I'm, yep. If you don't, look at my Twitter. <laughs> um, but I really love Logan. I think that Logan's like a like a really epic tale. It's kind of like look, Wolverine is like a cowboy. He's just like a lost cowboy, or he's like a Ronin samurai, just no master, no yeah, no master, no no like faction and he just roams the world how he wants and the only people he has loyalty to are family and like those who he treats as family um logan is fantastic x2 is one of my favorite movies of all time though like if i had to make a top five of movies i've ever seen in my entire life x2 captain america winter soldier are definitely two movies that i have in there and it's because they play like thrillers in such different ways captain america winter soldier is much more of a political thriller but x2 is just like an action thriller that just keeps you on the seat of your keeps you at the edge of your seat the entire time and it just like entraps you and it just you don't really know what's coming around the corner next but you know something is around the corner and you're just waiting to figure out if it's like a 
tabby cat or if it's a lion. So, yeah, I would think I would I think I would say that X2 is my favorite of the movie series. Within that first class series, Days of Future Past is fantastic, especially the road cut though. Yeah. Especially. I would say if you've never seen Days of Future Past, don't watch the one that came out in theaters. Watch the road cut. Yep. That's Much what I better. tell people. Yeah. Jose, actually, I have a question for you if you know the answer to this. Um, why is Rogue cut out of the movie? I think they just cut it for time. I don't I don't I think Brian Singer released an official reason why, but beyond that, I don't know why they didn't just go with the the road cut as the official cut of the movie. I'm gonna look at something right now because I'm very curious about how long the road cut is. Yeah. I have it sitting kind of, on the laptop. Yeah, it was kinda of like the same thing with like the Wolverine. The extended cut was also much better. They let him do drop some F bombs, get some more blood in there. It's like, alright, this is more realistic. Oh man. I have to get that sooner or later. Um, where is it? Alright. I'm gonna turn down all my audio for a second here i'm just making sure that i can do this I'm not gonna do it never mind it doesn't matter um sooner or later i'm gonna double check how long this movie is with the road cut and i will report back and it will be very very sad for a minute for me oh, oh i think like, it, like actually we're fine I think it is two and a half hours. Uh, oh, okay. I just found it. So the original cut of uh, Days of Future Past was 132 minutes, which is what? Two hours and 12 minutes. Yeah. And then the road cut is 151 minutes. So yeah, right. Just right above the 230 line. Jesus Christ. Endgame is three hours. Fox, you're fucking up. You guys could have been the OGs of this game. Yeah. You guys can spend OGs things. and making people pee in their seats. Come on. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things they could have done first. I mean, they were the first shared universe, as far as I can tell. Um, and and yet, uh, Marvel Cinematic, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe put them to shame. Yeah. So, now that we have all 12 of these, these movies... Um, and like Chris said, we'll probably won't see another X Men movie for another ten years. Um, that's what the rumor. Do you guys. Sorry, that's, that's the a rumor. rumor. Yeah, that's the right. rumor out right now. That sounds like a good amount of time. I would, I would think. Gotta just to get that real strong mouthwash to wash it. Off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 you, you need you need out. some time. Yep. So, what do you guys think overall of? the franchise do you think it uh, overall did okay could have been better could have been worse was it successful in what it tried to do i think the good I ones mean, were successful in what they tried to do they could have been a lot better in a lot of places like for one more comic accurate costumes like they i feel like in the, especially in the first ones they were afraid to embrace that and just gave everybody leather costumes I love the joke from Hugh Jackman in the X-Men movie about the costumes being squishy and squeaky. Yeah. Um, They made a lot of money. Like, that's the point of making movies for studios at some point. But they could have been more comic accurate, like Jose said. They also just could have... The ones that were bad, you could see where they could have been good. Yeah. And the ones that were good, you could see why they were good very easily. And... You know, there's something to be said about consistency of effort and consistency of actors and everything like that. So maybe just figuring out what works well and what doesn't work well at all. Mm-hmm. So we've touched on this a little bit, but since we will, I think it's pretty clear we will see another X-Men movie at some point, like we've been saying. What would you guys like to see that we haven't seen yet? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, first off, I want to see some comic accurate costumes. Let, let Wolverine wear that yellow costume, for God's sakes. That would be cool. Yeah. Hugh Jackman almost did. 
in like a deleted scene from the Wolverine. Like oh, they yeah. Gave him, yeah, he like at the very end of the movie they gave him a box with like his original X Men costume on. It's like, oh come on, I would love to see him wear that. So yeah, definitely embrace. I think if going into the MCU, they will embrace the more comic accurate costumes. But yeah, that's, that'll be cool. It's a tough challenge now that like Fox is on so many movies. Like they're probably not going to touch the Dark Phoenix Sana saga um, in a while, if not at all, because it's already been done twice by Fox, and both times they fucked it up. <laughs> So they're probably going to try to do something, maybe adapt some of the other storylines that they haven't done. So they're probably not going to do like Old Man Logan, Days of Future Past, um, probably, maybe not Apocalypse since they already did that one. They could do it better, but yeah, I kind of want to see like another classic X-Men storyline, but done right this time. I feel like they're going to do something where they're going to have them. I feel like for a trilogy, you go and you have them fight magneto or you go and you bring in like the u-men who are these i want to say they're like scientists yeah they're oh yeah yeah yeah. okay so it's this like scientist guy who goes and he like he's very anti-mutant and he goes and he kidnaps mutants and he like takes out their eyes and he like has takes them and like kidnaps kids and like kids with telepathy who like he gives them drugs and he makes them mind control people and like that could be one character for the first movie and then for the second movie i'm basically going to explain grant morrison's run on x on new x-men like for the second movie you go and you have cassandra nova who is um charles xavier's like sister who died in the womb but like exists as a part of his psyche and she somehow figures a way to get out of his brain and goes and destroys the Shi'ar Empire and almost causes, like, an intergalactic war. And I'm trying to remember what a third movie could be, but maybe the third movie could be Dark Phoenix. You run it back again. You see what happens. You hope that nobody remembers. You do it in 2036. <laughs> you do one X-Men movie every two years, really. No, that would be every three years. Yeah, 2030, 2033, 2036. Yeah, every three years there. I mean, we... got nobody remembering. (laughs) We've seen three reboots of Spider-Man in the last, what, 10, 20 years? So it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. Did they do the Goblin character twice? They did, well, three times they count the new Goblin in Spider-Man 3. Oh, oh, yeah. The gob the goblin in the um, in the Andrew Garfield one looked awful. Oh, that was terrible. Boy, Dang I would... Jesus. <laughs> like what Jose said, I'd I'd really like to see the costumes. That was one of the first things um, I was confused about when they were putting out these X-Men movies as to why they didn't have those those cool yellow suits. So that's definitely something I'm, I'd like to see at some point. Um, but as we move on... Um, oh, actually, yeah? I want to add something. And more use of the powers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, we harked on that enough, but like... There was no Iceman in the first class series, which is kind of a missed opportunity for visual effects. Because Bobby Drake is the fucking shit. Yeah. Like, they had him in the earlier ones where they didn't really have the budget for him to go all out. But in this one, they could have. And they just didn't use him. Yeah. Like, you guys stopped making Fantastic Four movies. Like, come on, use that money the right way. Well, at least I'm glad we got to see some of that in Days of Future Past. But they could have gotten a lot more further with it. That's true. That's true. Actually, this is something I've wanted to bring up for a while. Um, If apparently, and there's like a lot of literature on this, apparently if the Fantastic Four 2015 movie had done well, there were rumors and there's, I think, emails that have leaked or there's just like full-on literature that um, Fox was trying to make a shared universe in which there was going to be a combined X-Men Fantastic Four movie. Oh, yeah, a crossover movie. 
Yeah, and I want to see the script that they, the spec script that they had for that, because I know that that exists. Oh, that'd be. I don't know for a fact. I just, I have a feeling yeah. in my bones. I'd love to read that. I'd love to read. It. I want to read it in the voices of the character, in the voices of the actors, just de-energized from having to do all these movies. <laughs> <laughs> Is Michael B. Jordan white in this? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What would that story even be like? I. Like I really, I'm really curious now. I don't even know. Is it is it just like a team up road trip movie? Is it does Kitty Pride somehow uh, phase her way into the what's the into another realm and they need the Fantastic Force help to get her back? Who knows? Yeah. Hmm. Who knows. Well, I will say for like for the most part, I have enjoyed the fact that the X Men movies have been in a separate universe than other superheroes, mainly because of how they've been treated by society in the their respective movies. Like in the comics, like the mutants were always like this like hated group, and because it was supposed to represent like minorities and like different like cultural groups that were not accepted by society. But then if you have somebody like Spider Man or Captain America, because it's the same group that also have these superpowers, why are they loved by the city but the X Men are treated like shit? Like it made more sense to me with like like the mutants, okay, everybody hates them and then their own then their own thing. And in the universe where like Captain America and Spider Man exist, everybody loves them because they're heroes. That's something I've always struggled with because Well, one, on the um, Spider-Man and Captain America note, like, why aren't they hated? Like, is it just because they, like, cover their faces? Or do people not think that they're mutants for some weird reason? Yeah. Like, does Spider-Man ever get, like, things thrown at him and they're like, boo, mutie, get out of here, boo. Yeah. Well, even, like, Hulk tweet. in Endgame, like, he's basically a mutant at that point. Everybody's taking yeah. pictures of him. Like, they just think his powers are cool. Yeah. But I also think that, like, maybe people are very aware that Hulk is, like, a nuclear accident in every universe. Who knows, honestly. Yeah. Well, Scarlet Witch is almost basically a mutant that got rewritten in the Marvel Universe as a uh, lab experiment, I guess? Yes. Okay. Although they have the elementals now. Oh, no, no, never mind. Multiverse, I take that back. yeah. That's uh, Celestials. Never mind. Uh, Marvel, you guys gotta stop retconning your own characters and their powers and their parents. Yeah. It's getting confusing. It's too confusing. Yep. Well, um, that's all the questions I have, uh, but do you guys have any last words you want to say about this franchise or about Dark Phoenix? Oh, it's been a good run, Fox X-Men movies. You went out with a whimper instead of a bang, and I hope you do better in the MCU. Same. I don't... I have, like, very limited hope. I hope that they... You know, in 2030, when Hugh Jackman is signed on as an executive producer, and they somehow roll out the last of the Stan Lee... Um, cameos that they've had banked up for a while i just i just hope it's worth it you know i just hope it's worth it yeah this is a franchise that made like probably over a billion dollars so i hope it's i hope that they can like live up to the early what we got in the 2000s originally and what we got in days of future past I think that's all I got for that, honestly. I'm not hopeful, but I'm not going to close the door on it ever because it's the X-Men and they mean so much to me and how I like love comic books and reading and everything like that, that I can never turn my back on them. Well, all I can say is uh, if it's anything like the way Jose uh, told me the entire x-men franchise then i think they'll they'll be in uh good shape i'm gonna be honest jose when you when you um you told me uh a little bit about the franchise before we went to see dark phoenix i was like 
one, this is awesome, and two, I feel like the movies aren't going to be as good as you just telling me what's going on. So <laughs> wait, Jose, did you tell him about Apocalypse? I think I got I... almost to Apocalypse. I think I finished oh. up in Dark in uh, Days of Future Past. So you're telling me I should have been later. <laughs> We should. Well, Austin, <laughs> it would have been I, funny. Yeah, to, Austin, uh, I do hope you watch these movies one day. All right. Yeah. I mean, I probably will. Uh, I just watched Venom recently because I felt like I had to. Oh Lord, why? Well, because they said like they might do a crossover with Spider Man, and they're doing Venom too. So oh, I was like, yeah. all right, well. Well, that movie made like eight hundred million dollars. Yeah. You have to do a second. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it made a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I told Chris this, but my main complaint was the fact that it took so long for us to actually see Venom as Venom. I would have liked that much earlier, like in, oh, I don't know, the first act or something? Yeah. I mean, the most interesting thing about the movie is the queer coding in it. (laughs) That's it. Wow. Well, this has been... Another episode, episode number two of Nerdcraft Nation. Hold on, hold on, sir. Yes, sir. are we are we not going to do any hot takes or? Oh, is this just one giant hot take. I mean, if you got any more, yeah, start I'm off the hot takes. Does anybody have any hot takes of the week? Hot takes of the week. Hot um, takes of the week. Venom two will be worse than Venom one. How about that? It probably will. Yes, <laughs> I'm convinced that Venom two will make a billion dollars, and I will not let anybody tell me otherwise. Just like I wouldn't be surprised, and I'll still have Woody Harrelson in that awful little. Oh orphan my god! Anyway. I forgot about that. Oh my god! That so didn't work. Nope. Yeah, actually. First of all, Woody Harrelson is a saint in my eyes, and I will take no Woody Harrelson slander on this podcast. <laughs> None. I don't care how terrible he looks. He would be an amazing carnage, and we would be lucky to have him. Lucky. I agree with that. Tom it Hardy just, actually is not terrible, also. So. If, when he doesn't act like, like a the, crack addict, then yeah. Yeah. Um, the wig was just so bad. Yeah, the yeah. wig is awful. Oh, my God. Why couldn't they just let him be bald? That would have been fine. Yeah, that would have been, been fine. Cool. I do have one hot take that I've been sitting on, and we're probably going to do a podcast about this next, or I'm thinking calendar. I'm sorry, I need to look at a calendar. Yeah, we'll probably do a podcast about this after we do one about Endgame, the re-release. We're probably going to do one about Spider-Man, Far From Home, and I've been sitting on this hot take for a while. Brandon Kessley probably has said this with me as well, or I think we came up with this one together. He will probably listen back to this, and he will probably tweet out his answer to this, to that uh, predicament I put him in now. Um, I have a theory, a running theory, that for after Far From Home, we're going to get Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. And what's going to happen in that is we're going to get two Spider-Mans. We're going to get Miles Morales and we're going to get Peter Parker working together as a team because we already have the layers in there from the first one. And I don't think they're going to ruin those layers because if there's anything that the MCU loves, it's fan service. They know where their money is. That's that pocket. And also Endgame puts them forward by three or four years. And I'm going to guess that Far From Home puts them probably forward by a couple months. And I'm going to guess that the third Spider-Man movie is going to put them forward by, what, a year? Maybe two? So Miles Morales is probably 14 by the time that movie comes out. And he is a middle schooler when he becomes Spider-Man in the comics. All I'm saying. And this is bad radio. I'm doing finger guns at the guys right now. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think they're kind of like leading up to the Sinister Six too with the third one because they already set up like the Vulture. They got like the Scorpion in like that prison scene. Uh, they got Mysterio. They got the Shogger already. So they're they're putting in some layers for like a an eventual baddie team up movie. Yeah. I don't have any Deadpool theories because why would I have a theory about a Ryan Reynolds movie ever? I'll be honest, I'm actually still really amazed that they let him make that movie twice. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. But yeah, that's my hot take for the 
for the, for this episode. All right, uh, Jose, do you have a hot take? <sighs> Let's see. Like, I'm very curious about the future of the MCU going forward. Like, after Far From yeah. Home, like, okay, what do you guys do after? Like, what's the next thing after the Infinity Saga to like keep fans engaged? Are they gonna do like Young Avengers? Uh, I feel like they already crossed off Secret Invasion by making the Skrulls good guys and Captain Marvel. So I don't know. I'm, I'm very curious to see how they move forward with this franchise and hopefully the X-Men will be in there. Yeah. The Fantastic Four seemed like they're ripe for another reboot. Like they could easily integrate into the MCU. Yeah, with the guy from the office and his wife. Yeah. They could say, okay, they went random astronauts, took a Quinjet into space, boom, powers. Easy enough. Or even the fact that apparently there's like a ripple in the realms. Yeah in the universes in the multiverse so yeah they could work better anything's possible yeah yeah i have a hot take that i think the next big marvel event will be x-men versus new avengers um just because that would be really hard to pull off but also something that I think the MCU would want to do because they like to blow our minds. So yeah, could be in the pipeline. Yeah, I could see them doing that. And they're always at each other's throats. <laughs> yeah. All right. Is there anything else, guys? Or mm. I'm going to save my thing for the next one. That's all I got. All right. Well, our next one's probably going to be about Endgame, so thank you for listening. Long live the Inhumans. Long live the MCU. Long live the X-Men. Hey, everyone. This is Chris Walker with the fact-checking for today's podcast. James Marsden of 27 Dresses fame plays Cyclops in the original trilogy. The two mutants with Magneto are Ariki and Celine Gallio. And finally, the final X-Men 20th Century Fox movie is the New Mutants, allegedly coming out in 2020 after several delays. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NerdCraft Nation, all one word. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 